As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Keeping track of all the places that you're looking at and making offers on. And then every month, go back to that list and check which ones have sold or haven't sold. And then follow up with the places that have not sold and mm-hmm. revisit that as an opportunity has really been beneficial for us. Real quick, before the episode, I want to give you a gift of 25% off. And that gift actually is from TransUnion Smart Move. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. Because as landlords, we tend to be most concerned with getting paid on time. You might also know that hundreds of thousands of landlords have to deal with the headaches of evicting tenants each year. Evicting a tenant can be painful, costing as much as $10,000 in court costs and legal fees, and take as long as four weeks to complete. What if there's a trusted way to help prevent the headaches of dealing with evicting a tenant? Make the smart move right from the start. Smart Move's online tenant screening solution can help you quickly understand if you're getting a reliable tenant, which will help you avoid potential problems such as non-payment and evictions. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast are invited to try Smart Move tenant screening for 25% off. Here's how Smart Move can help you find your next great tenant. Make a more informed decision with Smart Move's proprietary credit score built specifically for tenant screening which predicts evictions 15% better than a typical credit score. Reduce non-payment risk with SmartMove's Income Insights Report, which enables you to analyze the applicant's income within minutes and determine if additional income verification is needed. Get critical information quickly with a full credit report, criminal background, and eviction history report. With over 5 million screenings completed, SmartMove can help you make a better leasing decision for your rental property. If you own a rental property, SmartMove can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion SmartMove, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, Steve Arneson. How you doing, Steve? Joe, I'm having a best ever day. Oh, well, that's as good as you can get then, I guess. (laughs) I'm looking forward to our conversation. Steve's a real estate investor who has over 20 doors. He has four development projects in the early stages right now. He also hosts a monthly meetup. He's been doing that for three years and is the co-producer of Victoria Real Estate Investment Expo based in British Columbia, Canada, right? You got it. Hometown is Victoria, BC. Absolutely love it here. 
and best place ever to be, in my opinion. All right. Well, let's learn more. So you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? For sure. Background in real estate. I've been full-time investor for about three years now with my best friends and business partner, Randy Mulland. Bought my first investment about six and a half or seven years ago now. It was a live-in condo flip. All my family is involved in real estate on one level or another. Like you said, we have a monthly meetup here in Victoria. It's the help educate people on the benefits of real estate investing. And yeah, we are on a a mission to inspire and educate a million people to live a more fulfilled life and have the equity and the cash flow that can supplement that lifestyle through real estate. Do you keep track of the million people that you inspire? Mentally, I'll say. We don't have a formal tracker to it. I think our number is about 1,500 right now. So we're steadily pacing. Got it. You need a little thermometer on your wall where you color it in all the way to a million. So you've been investing in real estate for six years, full-time for three years. Now your first one was a live-in condo flip. Are all of your properties in Canada? They are, yeah, West Coast. Okay. Let's talk about your monthly meetup. You started it three years ago. That, by no coincidence, I imagine, is when you became a full-time real estate investor. Why did you start it and how do you structure the meetup? We started it basically for our own accountability and to grow our network. It wasn't until we started listening to podcasts where we found like, hey, meetups can be a really good source of building network, building content, educating people, and and kind of building investors and and other people into our funnel, as, as you say, in marketing. So we took it upon ourselves to become the face here in Victoria because there wasn't an educational meetup. So there was a huge demand for it. There was those typical kind of meetups where it's a sales pitch on like, hey, join my new fund or whatever. And then the other side of it where it's like the old white guy sitting around drinking their scotch, talking about their yachts. There was nothing in between where it was just educational based. So we bring in professionals from all across Canada to come and speak and present with us. And the format is like a half hour networking to start off. And then about an hour and a half, two hours of content where we talk about any given topic from simple things like market updates to creative strategies, to financing, to we bring in developers to talk about what they're doing in the green space and everything in between. And it's really just, it's a community that we wanted to build from day one to help people come feel safe asking those quote unquote stupid questions. So it's an environment and a community for all levels of investors And it's been a lot of fun. We started off, our very first one was 12 people in the back of a restaurant. And the Real Estate Investment Expo, we had 900 people come through the doors one year. And our meetup now is steadily at like 60 or 70 people every single month. It's been so rewarding to watch people who've come a year or two ago and go through this massive shift between realizing they have equity in their home, for example, and then refinancing that and reinvesting that into growing their portfolio to produce more monthly income or a nest egg for building a legacy for the rest of their family. It's been really, really rewarding. And that's really what drives us on a monthly basis to keep active and keep doing it ourselves too. 12 people in the back of a restaurant to now consistently 60 to 70 people. What are a couple tips that you'd give someone who has a meetup to help grow their meetup? Great question. Thank you for asking that. There's a lot that we've learned over the last few years Number one is as you start building it, don't allow anybody in. We literally vetted every single person who wanted to come. And we denied some people because we saw that they were the more selfish type of like, hey, here's my business card. Hey, here's my business card. What can you do for me? And the community that we wanted to build was the exact opposite. It's people that we want to 
have in that room are people who want to go there and be able to support and give to others. So that's, that's kind of rule one. Before you go to rule two, let me just make sure I understand that you vet people to attend your meetup. So how do you vet someone if there's someone you don't want in there, like you described, how do you vet them if you haven't seen them at the meetup before? We didn't market the meetup the first six to eight months. It was just word of mouth and they had to go through a screening process. So Joe, say you had a friend who wanted to come, you would introduce us and we would have a quick conversation about basic stuff like building the relationship, but also where are you at now and what do you want to accomplish from this? We don't want it to be that type of community where it's just a bunch of solicitors. So we've seen that not work and it doesn't align with our mission. So it was just a five minute conversation. You can tell a lot from people's demeanor, sure. responding to questions. So that was how we executed on that. But now do you still do that interview process? We don't now. And it's really interesting because I can pick out a couple different situations in my brain where somebody comes in because we are marketing it actively now to grow it, to get power caliber speakers in and impact more people here in Victoria. So when those people who are more on the selfish side and are just looking for business come in, they kind of stand out like a sore thumb or what's the, what's the phrase where it's like a thorn amongst roses kind of thing. Yep. And they don't come back because they don't feel like they belong or fit into this community. Okay. I get it. So you're intentional about who you brought in initially. And then as a result of being intentional about the initial people, it's then built the foundation of the overall community vibe. And then people come in who don't fit that vibe or the culture, then kind of opt out of that. Exactly. Okay, cool. Thank you. All right. That's one. That's one. Rule number two is just provide as much value as humanly possible. We are very strict on our timing. So doors open at six. At 6.30, we get kicked off with the presentations. Randy and I typically open up with a, hey, how you doing kind of thing. And, and maybe a quick overview of what you've missed over the last month. And then we jump into presentations until 8.15. That's kind of like a hard close. We tell people that it's going to be ending at 8.15 sharp. And if you want to leave, great. No hard feelings. If you want to stick around and continue networking, awesome. Maybe it'll be more Q&A. But it's really kind of jamming a lot of content or at least education into that hour and a half so that people who come feel like they've taken something away that's tangible that they can implement into their business or into their life right away. And that along with it being a little entertaining, just keeps the energy high, keeps people engaged and keeps people coming back. With the online presence that you have with this meetup, what do you do online to promote it? We have some targeted Facebook ads, Instagram as well. We're pretty decent for Google search, but we have a community on Facebook that we're pretty active in. So we invite everybody who's in Victoria or who knows about us to join our Facebook group. And within that, you get the exact same thing. You get lots of content, lots of education, lots of updates, and then also just like notifications on who our next speaker is going to be, the date, the time, some tidbits, all a bunch of notes with the last meetup, et cetera. So we want to communicate with people. We want to engage with people. We want to help people. And it's a great space for people to come and ask questions. It's really cool to watch us not even have to interact with those people because the other members of the community are stepping up and supporting new people with new questions. You're co-producer of the Victoria Real Estate Investment Expo. What is it and how many years have you been doing it? We did it for two years, 2017, 2018. And very large events, largest that Victoria's ever seen in this space. And it was a kind of dual purpose. We had like 30 or 40 exhibitors both years. 
So for people who wanted to connect with tradespeople or funds, and then we had two different stages as well at the venue. So we had people who were interested in doing workshops where it's more hands-on, for example, budgeting, right? We had a budgeting workshop and we had the other stage, which was the main stage, having our, our keynote speakers there educate people on trends in the marketplace or strategies, et cetera. How many people did you have in year one? Year one, we had 900. Year two, we had 600 or 650. Interesting. How come the decrease? Yeah. Unfortunately, we booked our date a year in advance after the first one went so well. And over that year, leading up to our year two, we had three other very large events booked for the exact same weekend. Uh, so Victoria's not a big town. There's only 350,000 people here. We're close to Vancouver, which is a million and a half or so. But when you have three or four very large events in a small town like Victoria, it just gets a little diluted. What were you competing against? I think there was Comic-Con and there was a, a women's conference and I can't remember what the third one was. Okay. Are you doing it this year, 2019? We've shifted our model. So we're not doing the same type of event, but we are going to continue with the education stuff. So we've built our network to a, a really great space. All those exhibitors that were there, we have special connections with each and every one of them. So people who are interested in you know, meeting them, we can facilitate that introduction. And then uh, we're really focusing on just doing more hands-on workshop type events and live events where we bring in you know, speakers or trainers to help facilitate and host with us to just kind of move the needle a little bit further in people's investing careers or lives. Got it. So instead of one large event, you're doing a bunch of smaller events. Exactly. So our next one's actually coming up in today's the ninth and the next one comes up in two weekends from now, 18th and 19th. Okay. And for someone who has a grand vision of doing a big event like you had put on, for two years, what are some watch outs that you'd give them other than the date thing? Oh, don't do it. I can tell. Yeah. Cause you would be doing it again if you want, if it was, if it, if it made sense. So please elaborate. It was one of the most time consuming and stressful efforts I've gone through my entire life. <laughs> Full transparency. We had over a hundred thousand dollars invested into this one event and in Victoria specifically, more so than a lot of other markets, but in events as a whole, you sell like 50% or more of your tickets the last week. So leading up to that last week, we're sitting there going, come on, where's all of our ticket sales and stressing because we've got $100,000 on the line here. It was a little nerve wracking. <laughs> so make sure you have a good date, plan it well in advance. I would say for real estate, late spring is really good. So like the, the May, yep. earlier spring, people aren't quite in the rhythm yet. The real estate cycle kind of picks up and is more popular in the later spring before people go on vacations and stuff through the summer. So that's critical timing. If you're not going to do it in the spring, do it in the fall, you know, late September, October. And then just have a really good marketing plan in place. And, uh, and then just cross your fingers and pray that people will start buying your tickets early. <laughs> How much money did you lose on the second year two? I think we broke even on it. It was tight. And in our minds, it was the best marketing expense ever. Sure. Because we were at the time a very new business, but we had professionals from all across Canada come that we got to build really great relationships with because they got to see the integrity that we have, the work ethics, the, the characteristics of who we are as people. And we got really put on the map from those two events. So it was basically a break-even event, which just gave us kind of infinite returns afterwards. So if it's a break-even event that gives you infinite returns, why not put someone in place to do that work, have a couple interns, and then continue 
having infinite returns on a annual event. That's definitely something that we're going to lead up into, but we wanted to take it in a little bit smaller bite-sized pieces, hence the smaller workshops. So instead of just putting all of our eggs in one basket for the year, what we're doing is we're basically diversifying our risk and going from Victoria to Up Island and then on the mainland into different markets to create new audiences and, and fresh content. Mm, okay. You know, start more guerrilla efforts leading up to it. And then when you have some massive amount of people that you know will be confirmed attendees because you've got so much exposure through all those little areas, other surrounding communities, then you could build back up to the larger event with more certainty. Exactly. Okay, cool. Switching gears. You got four development projects in the early stages. What are they? We've got one basically at lockup right now, which means we've got windows and doors and a roof and it looks really, really good. It's a townhouse complex of six units. And we have the lot directly beside that where we're going to basically just take the exact same plans, but rotate it 180 degrees and then build the exact same thing. Another lot is a question mark right now, but it's in the core of downtown in a growing city, growing market just north of Victoria. And then the last one is really exciting where it's currently got a house with a suite on it. With our investor, we bought it cash. So the place is covering itself really well right now. Cash flow is obviously because we own it outright. So the investor is getting a really good just cash on cash return. And we bought it rezoned. And we have the ability to build up to five stories on it. And it's two blocks away from at the core of downtown. Growing neighborhood. It looks out onto kind of like a big community garden type thing. And it has a lot of upside for us. So being in the developing space has been a goal and a dream of mine for a long time. I didn't know if it was going to be possible or not, but really, really excited to complete our first one with our developer and move on to bigger pieces. How do you structure that with the developer in terms of just ownership of the deal? The very first one, because it was completely new to us, we didn't want to take on that mass amount of risk because I think it's like a $1.5, $1.8 million build. And walking into the developing space, there's a lot of unknowns. So we basically, how we structured it with our developer was we found and facilitated the deal. And then we basically wholesaled it to them. And then we got a a rev share at the back. So if we do really well on the sales, then we get a chunk of that. And then the developer has a majority of that. And then going forward, we're being more and more involved in each deal to create more income for us as our company. Nice. And for someone starting out and who has a similar opportunity, and they don't have the development experience, but they found the deal and they've found a good developer they know locally. What type of structure in terms of revenue shares would you recommend that they try to negotiate? If you did a lot of the front end work, especially if you went through a rezoning process, rezoning is really difficult. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm sure you know, Joe, if you're going through that process, you want at least 15% in my mind. One five? One five. Yep. And then we can kind of negotiate here and there for different pieces. We have the bonus that my business partner, Randy, he's a journeyman electrician. So he's going to be a little bit more hands-on through the whole process. So that's really exciting. And then I'm the data geek. I'm the guy that's going to do all the number crunching, build the spreadsheets, et cetera, and make sure that the economic factor makes sense. What's a deal that hasn't gone according to plan? (laughs) Not according to plan. I'll rewind to my very first purchase, which was that live-in flip. Yeah. The condo? The condo, yeah. So I bought it at 24 and it was best part of town, bottom of our market, which was 2012 here. And I knew that it hadn't been renovated since late seventies. And it was the dream for me, like walk in there, put in some elbow grease and, and resell when I'm ready to move. So as this business built and my time got 
less and less and less available for doing renovations, I hired a contractor to do the renovations for me as I wanted to flip and sell. Oh, and here's the challenge. Contractors. Here comes the challenge. And so <laughs> the part that went unexpected was the guy that I hired, who I thought was going to be doing all the work, then like outsourced all of the work to <laughs> who was not nearly as experienced. So you could tell the craftsmanship from the original guy and the guy who actually did the work was not the same. That was just disappointing for me. I probably lost out on 20 grand, but I, I probably saved 10 or 15. So maybe only lost five out of the process. But the process itself was a real pain because I was communicating with one, some other guy was coming in and the work just wasn't what I was expecting. So rewinding, I learned a lot through that process and I'm much more diligent on the communication and the upfront expectations of people who are doing work on our properties. You said you lost that on 20, but say 15. Will you elaborate on what you meant there? I kind of leveraged the relationship with the contractor I hired. So he gave me a $20,000 discount or $15,000 discount on the work that was going to be done in my condo. So he was going to charge me 50, let's say. And if I went out to the market and just brought in any other general contractor, that person would have charged me 65. So I saved that 15,000, but then because of the quality of work that wasn't quite met, I think I lost out on about $20,000 of my sale price was. So knowing what you know now, when you are presenting a similar opportunity in the future, how do you approach it? Now I have as much as I can in writing and very articulate with what I expect in the design and the quality of work. Got it. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? I've actually got three, if I may. Sure. Um, Real quick is one, you have to get educated, whether it's in, in your marketplace or where you want to invest, as well as what your strategies are. So hire mentors, get connected with community groups like ours that are helping people along the way and reach out to people who have been there and done that. And then in our market, we're BC and a lot of the West Coast and a lot of markets through the continent. It's a really hot market here. So you have to be able to act fast. So whether you're working with joint venture partnerships or you're buying the place yourself, you need to have financing in place. You need to have the, the strategy ready to execute, have the timetable set and all your team members on the same page to be able to act as quickly as possible. And then lastly, we have found some of our best deals, actually, absolutely our best deals from following up with those listings three or six months later. So keeping track of all the places that you're looking at and making offers on, and then every month go back to that list and check which ones have sold or haven't sold, and then follow up with the places that have not sold and mm -hmm. revisit that as an opportunity has really been beneficial for us. Oh, it's huge. It's a big deal to just consistently follow up and be methodical about it. There's a lot of fly-by-night people who try to do it, doesn't work out, move on, find something else that's shiny, and then try and do that. But when you're methodical about it, there's a whole lot of money that can be made there. Yeah, it's a strategy that not many people take advantage of. So if you can get creative, if you can stand out, that's going to put you further down the line to meet your, your real estate goals. And by creative and stand out, are you meaning following up or do you have additional approach for following up that's creative? More so just the follow-up side of things. Okay. So you know, for us, we're looking for distressed properties. So we'll go to a distressed property and say it's worth a million dollars. We will offer them 800, let's say, just for examples. And it doesn't sell. You know, three months later, we'll go back to them. It's still in the market for a million dollars. And we'll say, hey, you know what's happened over the last couple of months? And they'll kind of tell us a little bit of the details. And we'll say, great, if your seller is ready, our offer stands. And then if that doesn't go anywhere, we follow up a month later. 
And if it's still in the market, our offer is no longer 800. Our offer is probably a little bit lower than 800, mm-hmm. knowing that it's been sitting on the market for a little while and there's something probably wrong with it that other people are seeing as well. We're going to do lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm so excited, Joe. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you own a rental property, TransUnion Smart Move can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. All right, Steve, best ever book you've recently read? One of my favorites that I've recently read is called Traction. It's by Gino Wickman. And it's all about being a leader in your company and understanding how to put the right butts in the right seats in terms of employees and growth and scalability for your business. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we haven't discussed already? Paying too much. Will you give an example? There was a property that we looked at. I think it was marketed at like 700 or something. And we ended up overpaying for it because we knew it was an awesome opportunity. And because we were just eager to buy something, it was a bit of a drought. So we actually ended up getting creative with it towards the end of negotiations. We were at that point of we're overpaying for us, but we've already kind of put a lot of stake into the game. So we got a little bit emotional with the deal. How'd it turn out? It turned out to be a really good win, actually. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a... Take out the time. As we went through it, we had to really think outside the box and, and bring in some mentors to, to help us. So how did you turn it around so that you made it very profitable? We ended up buying it cash instead of finance. Okay, so the purchase price wasn't as high as what you initially offered because you offered cash? We paid the same price. We just did it a little bit creatively in the sense that we bought it cash. So our investor had to put up 1.1, or no, it was uh, 700 and was it 770 something. And then we put in additional money into renovations. And then we went to the bank for financing once we raised the value so much. Oh, okay. And then you got some cash out. Exactly. We got 94% of our investors' money back out, and the property cash flows very, very well. Best ever way you give back to the community? So we're a for-purpose business, and our monthly meetups we charge $5 for, and 100% of that $5 ticket entry goes to an organization that's called Kidsport, and they help families who can't financially afford to put their kids through sports, organized sports, get involved with organized sports because we believe that in, in the team environment and working for a common goal and learning how to fail and recovery from that failure, not only just builds your talent as an athlete, but also gives you a lot of learning life lessons that you can use for the rest of your life. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? Best thing is to visit us on Facebook. It's just at the reinvestors. Well, Steve, enjoyed our conversation, learning about how over the last three years you've built the network. You have built an expo that had 900 people year one. Holy cow, props to you on that. And then the lessons you learned from that, doing smaller groups in the surrounding areas and continuing to build that interest, more of a gorilla effect, and then eventually go back up to that larger expo so that you have mitigated the risk of 
having six figures outlaid with the hope that more people will come to help you break even. But then also just the monthly meetup that you're doing too and how you've used that to get investors and continue to be a thought leader in your area. Then thanks for sharing the condo flip example with the contractor hiring someone else out and how you navigate that and what you do in the future. So really enjoyed our conversation. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com.